0: Chapters forty one to fifty of Kriloff's Fables by Ivan Andreevich Kryloff, Selected and translated by C. Fillingham Coxwell, M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Chapter forty one. The Fox. A fox, ere night had changed to morning, drank at an ice hole in a time of cruel frost but since he carelessly was due attention scorning the bushy tail which formed his chief and proud adorning became with freedom lost to the ice fixed the fox might well have prevented with little force had cured his grief destroying a few hairs he would have grown contented and snatched in brief a true and wise relief. Alas, he could not act, nothing would him embolden to maim a tale so soft and golden. Was it not well to wait? Neighbors were sleeping fast, and it appeared to him the ice would scarcely last. Twould melt, and soon his tail surrender. He stayed, and while the chance of liberty grew slender, up rose the sun with splendor then peasants early moved whose voices loud were heard so the poor fox by terror stirred confused sprang vainly hither or but to loose himself as desperately thither luckily came a wolf dear kind good honest friend the fox implored oh save me from a hideous end the wolf his way arrests the difficulty, sagely breasts, with action that could scarcely fail, gnaws off the sure imprisoned tale, whereat the luckless victim, gratitude pretended, bereft of all his pride, his homeward journey winded. Chapter 42. The Sheep and the Dogs. In order that a flock of sheep... Despite ferocious wolves may well and safely slumber, The farmer's dogs are multiplied in number. What then, so great a pack he wills to keep, That, though the flock, in truth, will ne'er through wolves diminish, The guardians fall in straits for food, Have soon their teeth in blood imbrued. Though snatching oft a you, become both wild and thinnish, Next, in a lonely field, with many a victim strewed, the dogs, the last one finish. Chapter 43 The Geese Armed with his stick, a peasant was driving geese to market in the town, but, sad to say, the rustic clown persuaded oft the flock in manner far from pleasant his mind being turned to profit on a lofty scale and sometimes in financial matters greed to the wind's consideration scatters yet would i not this man assail although the geese regarding him with angry passion and having met by chance a passer-by forth hissed their thought in candid fashion were geese unhappier e'er seen by any eye this fellow leaves us never quiet conveys to us as unto common things his fiat, churlishly thinks that little is our due, but he should show himself respectful. Lost had been Rome, if once our race had proved untrue. Our ancestors, in face of risk, were not neglected. Their cackling warned the centuries who the foe repelled. Be pleased to add in what you have excelled, demands the passer-by. Our ancestors, That meagre story is yet reported, but to know I'm eager if you yourselves have well behaved. Our ancestors the city saved. No doubt, but what have you yourselves effected? We? Nothing yet. Then nothing yet to you is owed. Your ancestors were properly respected. Rome, due devotion to them showed. But you will roast, however well connected. Chapter 44 THE PEASANTS AND THE RIVER Peasants who cursed in consternation the devastation wrought by the rivulets and streams at the spring flooding, not half-hearted but keen for satisfaction, nursing pleasant dreams unto the river that received such brooks departed. Oh, to denounce them there was because FOR HERE THE CROPS WERE SCATTERED, TO THE MILLS WERE WASHED AWAY, SUCH MATTERED, COUNTING DROWNED BEASTS, ONE COULD NOT PAUSE, YET PEACEFULLY THE RIVER FLOWED, AND HASTENED PROUDLY, HOW ON ITS BANKS MEN, WOMEN SPED, AND NOTHING SAID, AGAINST IT AIR OF EVIL LOUDLY, ITS SIGHS THE PEASANTS' TOUCHES, WEARS AWAY THEIR ANGER, UNDERMINES THEIR REASON when they have nearer come they gaze at that sad season and surely know the river's treason shamefully half their goods away it bears yet never troubling it with their affairs the simple peasants watched its course with silent glances then at each other gave a look their heads slow shook and the road took homewards they deemed mid-life's mischances to struggle against oppressors is but useless toil, If base superiors are sharers in the spoil. Chapter 45. The Wolf and the Cat Out of the forest ran a wolf in fear, Made for a village seeking shelter, Began to think his end was near, As the pursuing pack deep bayed in deafening welter, To gain a refuge sure he looked for unlatched gates, and faced disaster, for bolts were more than he could master. Seeing a cat, instead of going faster, he waits. O Puss, upon the fence, he calls, say whom thou findest of all the peasants here the kindest, who will protect me from the anger of my foes. Thou hearest the loud barking, ah, the din yet grows, they're coming after me. Better to Stephen hurry, he is a first-rate fellow. Ill at ease Tom cries. I took a sheep. I love all woolly things and furry.' Suppose you dared Dimyan to worry?' "'I think he gazed at me with wicked eyes. I ate his lambkin, white and gentle.' "'Tromfeim lives there. Be off and quick.' "'Not to Tromphaeum. He'd meet me with a gun or stick. In spring I killed his kid. "'Twas almost accidental.' "'Indeed. Well, try to get assistance from old Flick.' He lost a calf. "'My friend, your past is detrimental. You have the village folk beyond a doubt annoyed. And the cat added dryly, By what defense is now your quaking soul up void? our simple countrymen, though sometimes far from wily, will not be softened by your woeful anxious plight? That you accuse yourself is right. Your day is past. Now comes the night. Chapter 46 The Hermit and the Bear e'en if in troubled hours we much to kindness owe not every one will soar to friendship's duties exactly gauge and weigh its beauties an officious fool can harm us like a foe a certain man once dwelt kindred without and lonely in a far waste and wilderness now though you greatly may a desert sojourn bless seclusion may be painful if it be yours only "'Tis comforting for folks their joys and griefs to share. "'Yes, but the meadows wild, the forests gloom impressive, "'the little streams and hills new tents and forms successive. "'Now surely such as these are fair?' "'Nay, all is dull, without some intercourse expressive. "'The hermit, then, being bored, his isolated irksome days abhorred, "'would pierce the thicket's dense and jostle gainst a neighbor.' Some one's acquaintance early make, yet save a wolf or a snake, whom should he join with all his labor? In simple truth, ere long he faces a great bear, and bowing low, without a second losing, surveys the fellow with a genial stare. As were the meeting one of his own choosing, the bear extends his paw, and both with interchange of words grow kindly, are drawn to one another blindly, for further mutual happiness arrange. BUT AS TO HOW THEY SHAPED THEIR PRIVATE CONVERSATION, WITH TALES, EMBELLISHMENT, OR SUNDRY jests SPRINGING FROM HUMOROUS BEHESTS, CONCERNING THAT I'M QUITE UNKNOWING. THE MAN IS HARDLY TALKATIVE, THE BEAR WITHOUT A WORD CAN LIVE, IS PLEASED WHEN USEFUL QUALITIES HE'S SHOWING, AND YET WHATE'ER MAY HAP, THE HERMIT'S WONDROUS GLAD, A PLEASANT FELLOWSHIP HE HAS HAD. HE DWELLS WITH BRUIN MUCH else falls to prey a sickness follows on short excursions with sufficient quickness once when the heat had stilled each bird unto our friends to roam in woodlands it occurred by love of hills and valleys stirred now than a shaggy bears the human's frame is weaker the hermit grew for rest a seeker much sooner than his friend In vain he tried his pace to mend, observing which the bear pronounced a word judicious. Lie down, little brother, rest. Among the pine-trees will be best, and I will guard thee from all enemies malicious.' The hermit laid him down and gave a yawn, had soon from earth withdrawn, but Bruin stayed on watch, and fanned with motion active the features to a fly attractive about the nose it played. There stayed or sought the cheek until he drove it off to settle again upon the nose. It ere such spots unfortunately chose at last the bear to show his honest mettle, up in his paws a weighty cobble caught, then slowly crouching down and silent forward bending remarked, you nuisance, I to you must be attending. Tis time for me this insect further to be sending. And, using all his strength, the fly a lesson taught. After the mighty blow, his skull being sadly shattered, the hermit did not move, and nothing to him mattered. Chapter 47 The Eagle and the Fowls Once, on a glorious day, to fill his soul with wonders, an eagle, proudly soaring high, flew swiftly by the realms whence issue thunders. Quitting at last the clouds, he, not unmoved by scorn, alighted haply on a kiln for drying corn. Tis true the humble perch was all for him unsuited, the eagle yet might have a special taste, or it is possible there he himself low-placed, because at hand was nothing grand, severe or chaste, no rock or oaken bough quite undisputed. I scarcely guess his reason, merely certain no. It is not long, ere low, he to a second kiln elects to go. Observing this, forthwith a hen, small-crested, is drawn her gossip dear to ask— Why does this bird in honor bask, not for his powers of flight, as now by us attested? Really, I only have to try, in order, with success, from kiln to kiln to fly. How come it that we humbler birds are driven to rank proud eagles far ourselves above? They fly as low as we do, and perch as we do love. And e'en might know a simple dove, they've no more eyes or legs than unto us are given the king bird answers soon by such dull words annoyed your truth with folly is alloyed eagles may chance to fly as low as barn-door chickens but ne'er a hen her way amidst the azure quickens if you shall genius have to judge search for its weaknesses you will not labor vainly note too its excellencies and discuss them sanely despise not merit nor to understand it grudge. Chapter 48 The Aged Lion A lion, once the forest king, when growing old and nigh bereft of vigor, could not himself on foes with proper fury fling. Grieving could no respect from other creatures ring, nor onward in his weakness drag his splendid figure but chiefly he was pained that the inferior beasts his presence much disdained. By every means avenged the monarch's previous slighting seemed happy when his ancient overlordship spiting at times the stallion with its hoofs to strike him dares, whom next the wolf-sharp tears or the horned bull his wrath declares. The wretched ruler, all things soon deploring, with a scarce beating heart awaits a fatal end, and only strives his woes to mend with weary, feeble roaring. At length he spies a donkey that he surely feels would strike him with its heels if it could only find a spot exposed and tender. O gods!' the groaning lion now exclaims, "'Alas! has my condition reached this horrid pass?' to the last stroke of fate i'll eagerly surrender death's shock were not so crass that my soul should suffer insult from an ass chapter forty nine the man with three wives a man of horrid notions while yet his wife was living dared to marry twice It happened that the Tsar, severe precise, was not inclined to wink at free emotions, and roused by such a strange misdeed, he to the judges spoke without delay decreed that for the culprit they a punishment should hit on, which would deter the crowd from matching such a crime, or mentioning aloud the tale as one to try its wit on and if i think the penalty inflicted light i'll hang around the court the judges from a height the joke appears unpleasant and the unhappy lawyers sweat again nor leave the court three days are present in order to devise a just and proper pain of torments there are thousands but experience teaches rarely a penalty to cure wrong-doing reaches however in due time god made the judges sage the vile offender summoned back was given To know the court had striven And felt unanimously driven To say that he with all three wives at once must swage. New misery thereon the people frightened Deemed at the angry tsar which stretched the judges' necks. Four days of strife the man so vex That round his throat a cord he tightens which dismal fate has woke the citizens to dread no one cares three wives at once to wed a life monotonous thus lightens chapter fifty the cloud quick o'er a countryside athirst for copious showers a gloomy rain-cloud selfish past disdained to shed relief exerted not its powers yet coming to the sea DISGORGED A TORRENT VAST. VAUNTING IT CALLS TO WITNESS HOW IT NATURE DOWERS. WHAT SERVICE HAVE YOU DONE TO MAN AND CROPS OR FLOWERS? THUS HAVING RUDE BEGUN, THE HILLS REMARKED WITH DEEP EMOTION. IF ONLY THE PARCHED fields FROM THEE A GIFT HAD WON, THOU WOULDST HAVE FAMINE STAYED DESPITE A SCORCHING SUN oh it was wickedness to waste thy store on ocean end of chapters 41 to 50 recording by kevin davidson www.blogordie.com